you know, we've been at it for 10 years. So it's great that even 10 years down the road, the bottle still stands on its own. Uh, it, it, it was part of our, you know, the discussions we had when we started to design the bottle is that we wanted it to be timeless. So I don't know if 10 years is timeless, but uh, you know, at least, <laughs> at least it's better than nothing, right? From the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine, this is the Craft Spirits Podcast. Today on the program, a fresh take on gin. Our guests are Emil Jatney and Joe Santos, the co-founders of Brooklyn Gin. They met while working for Bacardi and eventually hatched the idea for Brooklyn Gin. They joined me via Zoom in early March to talk about lessons learned from striking out on their own a decade ago and to preview what visitors can expect when they complete their own distillery, hopefully by the end of this year. They also shared some insights on everything that went into the creation of their bottle, which claimed a gold medal and best in show in ACSA and Craft Spirits Magazine's inaugural Craft Spirits Packaging Awards in late 2020. But before we got into all of that, I asked them each to talk about what's in the bottle. When we set out to create Brooklyn Gin, which we'll talk about a little bit later, there were, there were two things that, that became important for us. And the first was, if we're going to make a great gin, we felt we wanted to have great ingredients and great process, kind of like most things that you eat and drink. So, so for us, the important things are the ingredients that we use uh, and how we use them. So we have four different citrus peels in our, in our gin. And, you know, this lemon, lime, orange and clementine and we use we prep and we hand cut the citrus peels and use the fresh peels Uh, and for us when we tried that it gave a more vibrant and uh, citrus forward gin better flavors Uh, the same thing with the juniper berries Uh, we get the juniper berries when they're still a little bit on, on the softer side we crush them and because of that we get more you know, these juicy, spicy, sweet flavors from the inside of the juniper berry and a little bit less of the, the dry piney flavors. So some people might say that we have, we, we don't have a lot of juniper in our gin. It's actually our number one ingredient. We have tons of juniper in our gin. We just process it a little bit different. And then obviously, like most craft distillers, we use the copper pot still, which two things, you know, it draws more flavor uh, out to create a more flavorful product and also the copper interacts with the sulfurs and some of the bitter notes and make make it into to a smoother product so the end result becomes you know it takes a little more time a little bit of effort like for all us uh, craft distillers to do do what we do but the end result is a more fresher flavorful and smoother tasting gin yeah and to to build on that from my end you know when we you know to emil's point about our Kind of we'll get into sort of our journey but at the end of the day what we were trying to uh, trying to do is find a gin that we both liked and that we both loved i shouldn't say just say like but something that we actually loved and we hope that if we loved it enough you know others others would too um you know and emil really touched on all the key things but the biggest thing from from my side is always you know what i always uh what i really love about our product our gin is the the fresh vibrant you know, citrus forward flavors that you get out of it, both in aroma and, and in taste. And it just lends itself to much better tasting cocktails. You know, we tried, I don't know, 50 different recipes to get to where we were. 
And we didn't just try it neat. We tried it, you know, in a gin and tonic, a martini, a Negroni, you know, some real classic drinks to make sure it made a difference. Joe, Joe's point there comes back to we, we tried 50 different recipes and it took us over a year to get to when we felt like this is our favorite gin, right? This is the gin that we want to drink. And I think uh, the lesson that for us is that gin is, is, is fairly easy to make, but it's very hard to make well. Uh, that's at least our experience, that it took a long time for us to get it to taste uh, the way we wanted it to taste. And it was a long process. Yeah, and I, I do want to come back to that. Um, but uh, I guess first, I, I'm, I'm also curious, you know, you were mentioning it in cocktails and, and also neat. What, what, how do you guys prefer to drink it? <laughs> well, my go-to cocktail is the bee's knees. Um, just, you know, honey syrup, uh, fresh lemon juice and Brooklyn gin, real simple cocktail, uh, refreshing. And it's, I drink it year round, even though a lot of people probably think it's more of a summer drink, but it's my go-to. And I mean, it depends on the occasion really, but, uh, lately I've been, uh, very much into the martini, uh, uh again, so I can drink a 50, 50 martini if I want something a little lighter. Uh, but I, I've been mostly doing a two to one, uh, two parts gin and two parts, uh, dry vermouth, uh, no bitters, no, no orange peel, like nothing else. Just, just the gin and, uh, and the vermouth ice cold stirred. Nice. Nice. Um, cause now we don't get to drink all these cocktails in cocktail bars, you know, hopefully we can go there soon and, soon and sit and hang out i can't wait to sit and have a cocktail in a cocktail bar but now it's a little bit more uh, uh making cocktails at home for make, ourselves make keeping it simple i guess yeah yeah uh so i, I now i want to go way back uh tell me about uh just kind of really quickly meeting at bacardi and what each of you were were doing there so let's start with joe sure so uh, my background's in marketing, and uh, while at Bacardi, I, I worked across a few different brands, uh, started with their tequila brands, and then moved on to Scotch whiskey and eventually the rums. Uh, but the, the common thread that I kind of had in all of them was I did a lot of uh, like work with new products and innovation. And what I found was that I didn't know this until I went to Bacardi, but you know I really had a I caught the bug of just creating things from scratch. And uh, it wasn't until I got to Bacardi that I, I kind of noticed the entrepreneurial side of, you know, that was in me. Um, and, you know, down the road eventually, you know, wanted to, to break out and, and do something on my own uh, and build something from scratch. And I was fortunate enough to meet Emil, uh, who had similar aspirations. And I'll let Emil take it, you know, go from, from his side. Uh, but that was sort of the path that I took, you know, it, it took a, unfortunately, I found my entrepreneurial spirit later in life. <laughs> Would have been nice to find it in my 20s. But uh, I'm glad, you know, everything wor worked out for the right reasons. Yeah, so, so for me, when I was at Bacardi, I, I worked uh, uh, managing the Grey Goose brand, which is a, a little bit different from craft uh, gin. Uh, but same, same thing as Joe, we did a lot of uh, 
uh, innovation new products most of them never got to market but it was a lot of fun to 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 work on them and that was kind of like the fun part fun part of work and the other fun part when joe and i even though we worked on different brands uh, met up a lot was that when we traveled out to the different cities in the us and, and around the world uh, we got to go to we always were taken to the best cocktail bars, the latest cocktail bar in town. And that's when we found love for, for gin cocktails. So I, I started to really like gin cocktails. Classic cocktails were kind of the new thing. And I realized that most, most of the wonderful classic cocktails that I loved, like the Martini, the Negroni, uh, and it, you know all the, the bee's knees that Joe was talking about and all these great cocktails, were gin cocktails and that gin was the backbone of classic cocktails. Um, unlike Joe, I was kind of the opposite in terms of my entrepreneurial spirit in that both my parents and my grandparents started like their own stuff. So my father started the local uh, lumberyard uh, in, in my hometown and my grandfather started a flower shop that my grandmother and my mother worked in, and then my mother took it over, and now my sister is running the flower shop. And both of them had a, diff a similar philosophy, both the lumberyard and the flower store, in that it was all about getting really, really good quality stuff. So my mom would get all her tulips and all this stuff directly from Holland, like that. And it was twice as expensive as the more affordable stuff you can get in other places uh, but they were more beautiful and they would last longer and my mom would be the first one to tell people hey if you want something a little more affordable you can go over there to get it it's 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 fine you know we have this it's a little better quality it's going to cost you a little bit more and i used to work in my father's lumber yard during the summers and he did the same thing when people came in to buy wood for for a project uh, and they said that they felt it was a little too expensive. He said, well, there's another place that has their, their wood is two degrees lower in terms of quality. So if you want something that's not going to last as long uh, and is more affordable, here, I'll show you how to get there. And I, I remember seeing them like driving out and then starting driving, turning around and coming back. And that was like something that like was instilled in me that I didn't even think about that Joe and I, you know, we've been using in terms of better ingredients, better process. We want like, we think it's the same for cocktails. Uh, it's going to taste a little bit better. You're going to pay a little more for it, but we think it's worth it. And if it's not, there's some great products that are very affordable that you can get, but it's not the same. But I was kind of fighting the fact that my parents did small companies. I wanted to work for a large company. You know, you, you want to do the opposite to what your parents are doing. Right. So I was kind of fighting it for a while. And then I realized that now nah, this is what I want to do. And uh, Joe and I happened to connect uh, a day just chatting and realizing that we both were going in the same direction, wanted to do the same thing. We're thinking about the same stuff. And we just started to meet, uh, you know. And for lunches and evenings and weekends to to get going. And and did I see that you had like kind of hooked up through like a message board through work? Well, that was more originally how we met uh, at Bacardi. Uh, okay. 
already yeah I was already working there and anytime we had job openings I would post it at our because Emily and I also went to the same graduate school and I would just post it on the grad school's uh, website and that's how Emily and I first met gotcha and so how many years uh, I guess from that until you actually start thinking about doing this wow so from we met so from when we met till we actually started working on the idea yeah four uh, four years yeah yeah i think so yeah because we overlapped i think five or six years but we started talking about it about two years before we left <laughs> yeah 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 and, and then the process from just starting to talk about it till actually you've got a bottle of it in your hands how many years was that yeah that was around two years okay yeah. And and so when you when you decided to start this, uh, talk a little bit about the not you didn't open a distillery. You you were led to Warwick Valley Winery and Distillery. So uh, how how did that process go? Sure. So you know, you know we had grandiose plans in the beginning about having our own distillery, and uh, this all started you know this whole idea started around two thousand and eight. So as you can imagine, it it wasn't the right time to uh knock on doors to raise money for a distillery um you know so we started very you know very modest humble beginnings just trying to get things done on our own um you know we built a we basically reached out to a lot of friends in the industry that we had worked with in the past to kind of you know to get started um you know a good friend jim goodwin uh who had been in the industry for 40 some odd years uh was the head of innovation at, at bacardi and and retired and he was one of our first calls just uh, to kind of let them know what we were thinking about doing. We were looking to make a gin, you know, this kind of flavor and aroma. And, um, you know, he worked with us for a year and a half trying to, you know, get these recipes going and starting with a broad list of like 20 botanicals and ingredients and ending up with the final recipe we had of 10. Um, you know, at the same time, and we'll, I guess we'll get to this a little later, but we also talked to a friend of ours who was a designer. Um, you know, you know, once we realized how special the gin was going to be, we really thought long and hard about the bottle and we decided to go down the, you know, you can go stock, which is fine. Uh, but we also felt that, you know, if we were going to make a gin that was as, that was so special, we should make a bottle that's as special uh, to really bring it all together. Um, so that small team, you know, kind of little, you know, it took us probably just as long in the, on the bottle as well. Uh, kind of putting things together and when we started talking about where we wanted to make it you know we had again aspirations to have our own our own place uh, but for a lot of different reasons we couldn't make it work and it was a conversation with someone else in the industry that we were introduced to the guys at Warwick you know at the time there was only maybe a hundred craft distilleries in the country there was nobody distilling in metro New York we would have loved to have found someone uh, here locally to work with, uh, but we were introduced to the guys up at Warwick, and when we went up there uh, to see their place, and we saw that they had a Carl Copperpot still, we, you know, that was like the type of equipment we were looking for. Carl is really known for making great equipment that does a lot of great extraction of flavors, and uh, that's how, you know, we just met through a mutual friend and hit it off with those guys. And uh, when we're talking about, you know, developing the recipe, so we, we, we did get to over 50 different recipes, but when we did that, we worked on a, just a lab still. 
uh, and just to get the right flavor combinations down. And we'll we'll make a few. Uh, we'll we'll have them in our apartments. We'll we'll taste them. We'll we'll call each other. We'll meet the next day and be like, well, I'm really leaning towards this direction now. And we just kept going and kept going. And and finally it was like, this is it. But that that take well over a year. And that that was with Jim, who's obviously like a or or was uh, a wizard at this type of stuff because. I mean, he started in Kentucky a long, long time ago, 40 years of distilling and he had patents in three different spirits categories, I believe. But the part was also is like we wanted, we knew what we wanted it to taste like and we knew like what we wanted the product to be, the gin to be. We just didn't know how to get there. So we, we, it wasn't only to help us develop the recipe, but also help us teach us how to do it. Because uh, we didn't do, like when you work for a large company, unless you're the distiller in the distiller, you don't necessarily work on, on creating the spirit day to day. Even with innovation, you're more looking over the flavor combinations and, and how it's kind of come together. So it was great to kind of do it from, from scratch and ground up. And it was really rewarding. What uh, what were some some big mistakes or big lessons that you learned in that process of that uh, the formulation of the the recipe? <laughs> I, I I'd laugh. Oh man! We, uh, let's just say lavender is one of our uh, one of our ingredients, and uh, lavender a little lavender goes a long way. Uh, I remember one of the first batches we made, or you know, pilot or recipes on a pilot still, and uh, man, it was like biting into a bouquet of flowers. And, uh, you know, we cut it in half and it still was like a bouquet and cut it in half again. Um, so lavender was like a tricky one to, to kind of get our head around. Um, and I think another one is, you know, once we had the flavor on the, like when you, you try to translate it up to uh, like a, a bigger still, uh, it's, it's going to take a little while. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of my favorite moments it wasn't my favorite moment at the time for sure uh, because we freaked out but one of my favorite moments thinking back is the first batch we actually made on the carl copper still and cut it with water and it clouds up like milk <laughs> and we've quit our day jobs we're, we're standing there with a gin that looks it's it's fully cloudy and it took us a few calls to to uh <laughs> some different people people are food scientists and distillers and everybody's like yeah obviously you're using fresh citrus peels is the oils you know so you know we figured that out and then we started to use uh, like a micron filter played around with filters to filter out the oils without impacting the flavors but you know the the it's just one of those things that I think that the biggest lesson again is it, there's so much trial and error. Mm -hmm. Even if you work with someone or if you're like the smartest person in the world at this stuff, there's always going to be trial and error and things that's going to happen um, that you didn't expect. Yeah. And another thing from that we didn't realize when we started out is that when you, it's not like cooking, you add a little salt and it becomes saltier. If you add a little bit of an ingredient 
in your recipe, you increase one. It's so such like explosive process that it changes all flavors and how they play with each other. So you can't just, oh, I wanted a little bit more lemony, so I gonna add a little bit more lemon. It will throw the whole flavor profile uh, off. So, uh, but that that we we sure had a big scare there for for a while with that with a with a cloudy gin, which looking at it afterwards is kind of cool. It clouds out like absinthe when you pour it over wood, right? It, it's cloud like that but uh i think a lot of uh a lot of consumers would probably have handed that bottle back and said that it was something wrong with it if they bought it <laughs> yeah well it's funny because I, I was going to ask you if there were any moments along the way like having left you know good stable jobs to to start off on your own if you were like oh crap what have we done it sounds like maybe that that cloudy situation <laughs> that was might have been I was one of 200, okay. <laughs> including this morning. <laughs> oh, no. What happened this morning? No, nothing. I was okay. just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, there's a lot of times when uh, you, you have to, to do this, and, and people in the industry know this, that to do this, you have to be a problem solver. Because all of a sudden, you have, you know, someone has stopped the container in the port of london for you and because uh you know someone has tested your alcohol level and says that it's off turns out that they used the wrong equipment to test it with and that it wasn't off but like you have things like this happening like all the time uh, you know if it's with that uh, you know ingredients being you know being out or if it's um yeah, you know what a, order <laughs> yeah so so it's it's a lot of uh uh you know problem solving uh that goes on on a on a weekly basis did, did you say limes stuck at the border oh no bottles bottles <laughs> stuck at the border okay gotcha um there was a lime shortage once there. Yeah, you remember that, that, that job? That's <laughs> actually a lime shortage. And I, it's like a number one like peel in our, uh, well, not number one perhaps, but it's one of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we had to make sure that we had enough lime. After a break, Emil and Joe talk more about that bottle that holds Brooklyn Gin. This podcast is a production of the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine. ACSA is the only registered national nonprofit trade group representing the U.S. craft spirits industry. Through conventions, webinars, publications, competitions, special programs, and more, it's our mission to elevate and advocate for the community of craft spirits producers. Learn more at AmericanCraftSpirits.org. Craft Spirits Magazine is the unparalleled resource for in-depth insight and intelligence for the entire craft spirits universe. The bi-monthly digital magazine features the information and analysis that small independent spirits producers and allied businesses need to operate in today's complex craft beverage market. To see our latest issue and subscribe for free, visit craftspiritsmag.com. As I mentioned before, Brooklyn Gin won Best of Show in ACSA and Craft Spirits Magazine's inaugural Craft Spirits Packaging Awards. I asked Emil and Joe what it meant to receive that award and to walk us through some of the design elements. I mean, that's pretty amazing, uh, being, being 
re- recognized by by you guys who's done so much for the industry and by you know peers and everything else uh because the gin was what we started out with right so the gin was obviously our our focus we didn't even we barely thought about the bottle in the beginning we we're going to put in the stock bottle as joe said and then during the time we worked on it we said why don't we create a really awesome bottle uh and it took a lot of work and it was a big decision too because it's it's hard to create your own bottle it's uh, a little riskier uh, it takes more resources, time, money, everything. Uh, but we felt strongly that it would be worth it. And, uh, you know, to get a recognition for that it, uh, from, from, from you all is, is, uh, is pretty amazing. Uh, kind of feels, uh, makes you feel like the work was, uh, was worth it. it. It was, it's one of those, it's, it feels great that the bottle is still recognized as something very different in the industry. Um, you know, we've been at it for 10 years. So it's great that even 10 years down the road, the bottle still stands on its own. Which, which was also part of our, uh, uh, it, it, it was part of our, you know, the discussions we had when we started to design the bottle is that we wanted it to be timeless. So I don't know if 10 years is timeless, but uh, you know, at least, <laughs> This is better than nothing, right? Yeah, and I, I was going to say the, the little blurb that we ran from one of the judges was, this is the gold standard of craft gin packages. It's been around for many years and still stands out amongst a crowded gin category. So there you go. Yeah, so, that's, that's, I mean, it's just uh, that's awesome. uh, amazing, amazing to hear. <laughs> so so there's, there's a lot of really cool elements on the bottle. Um, the medallion to the ice stamper on the cap so could you just kind of quickly walk us through some of those elements and and how they came together what makes them unique yeah so the the kind of starting point and and maybe to start it started out is that you know joe and i when we decided to 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 have our own bottle it was quite a long process too because we we had a friend uh who had a design firm and uh, three other people that, that worked with them, we, we partnered up with them, and three other people there that were in Brooklyn. And we basically um, spent a bunch of time with them uh, in Brooklyn, including going to cocktail bars and talking about what, what we liked and what we wanted to be, what we liked in cocktails, and try to give them an understanding for what we're looking for in the bottle. And then we basically set up a competition. And I think we had like 14, 15 designs or something like that. And this one was the one that, that won out. And some of the elements you know, in, in the bottle was, it started out with the shape is uh, very similar to the, the old, the oldest apothecary bottles in, in New York, since gin has this apothecary history. Uh, and those apothecary bottles were also very Art Deco, right? So you got a lot of interesting things with Art Deco, apothecary, New York. Uh, they came in a lot of different colors. We wanted to have a light blue color because it evoked uh, the freshness in the gin that, that we were trying to focus on. Uh, and, and the copper, uh, was basically, we said, we're using a copper pot still. We think that's really important for how you make a great craft gin. 
So we want to make sure to have some copper elements uh, on the bottle. A uh, couple of more things. I mean, Joe, you can. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's also, we gave it some good weight to it to make it feel real special. Um, you know, as special as what was inside the bottle. And, uh, and you mentioned the ice stamp. Yeah, it's one of those little neat benefits, the fact that we use copper on our cap. Uh, if you take our cap and just put it on a big piece of ice, uh, within a couple seconds, you'll get an impression of the Brooklyn Gin logo on it. Anything else just on the bottle that we didn't cover that's uh, noteworthy? Yeah, maybe the the manhole cover. So, oh right, uh, Bro Brooklyn Brooklyn has an interesting thing that uh, most cities you go to, all the manhole covers are the same, uh, but Brooklyn has a has a wide wide spread of uh, designs for manhole covers. So we we played up uh, we played a little bit on that the manhole cover. So the the top of the cap looks like a manhole cover, and the shape of the medallion is also as as a manhole cover. And obviously in the middle uh, of the medallion, we have the crown because it's from Kings County. All right, so uh, kind of want to switch gears now to this last year. Um, I know you guys have been in the process of trying to you know, open your own distillery. Also, the pandemic is going on. Also, you're uh, you know, dealing with um i guess hitting snags with just the the fire codes in new york um how are you guys doing right now how 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 is brooklyn gin what does uh what is the pandemic uh how, what kind of effect has it had on you all and and what is the next you know uh couple of years look like i i think the pandemic i mean like everyone else it's it's uh you know, hit hit hard on a on a personal level, uh, but also on an industry level because we sell we sell to bars and uh, and restaurants and they're closed, and you know we have so many relationships and friends who own restaurants and bars and and work in them, and, and it's you know really hard to see how they're struggling, you know, closing to to basically save people and because it's the right thing and then hurting financially because of it from from our side you know that that's if, if they don't buy any any gin from us that that's going to hurt us too so we had a few months in the beginning where i mean we i mean we didn't sell a case for a couple of months uh, and we were extremely worried and then things started to pick up people started to find us in 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 you know, stores and online or, or, or other places. So, um, you know, business-wise, we've, we've, been, we've been lucky to, to hang in there. Uh, and we also gotten the, 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 the opportunity to, um, you know, look, look at some, uh, uh, because usually our, our job is like what we do as a team is we go when we, we build relationships with bars and restaurants and, you know, that's where we sell and, and uh, you know, we might travel to different cities and obviously we haven't done this lately. So we had a little extra time on our hand to, to kind of look at some, some new products and new innovations that, that uh, you know, that maybe we had thought about for, for a while, but 
had our hands full with everything else and didn't have time to to focus on yeah and you know you touched on the distillery you know the pandemic definitely uh slowed things down for us you know and uh, you know you touched on it as well as far as the things we've had to deal with with the city you know fire code being some of that um and also just getting uh building permits through the department of buildings and you know both have been challenging but you know we've been very fortunate uh, especially with the fire department they've uh were planning on rewriting their code uh, they understand that the industry's changed. You know, a lot of their code was written when distilleries were these gigantic, you know, manufacturing facilities that were zoned with like electrical plants and biodiesel, you know, plants. So they were trying to catch up with the times uh, to incorporate craft distilleries. So we were, you know, we worked with, uh, there was a little sort of subgroup of our distillers guild that were New York City distillers that worked together. Um, to basically sit down with the fire department and work through some of these code issues. And that took time, you know, so uh, all these little things, you know, then you have the department of buildings with uh, our architectural plans and, you know, zoning things and all these things added up to then suddenly the pandemic hit and it just kind of slowed everything down even more. Um, so we're, we're kind of on the one yard line with getting our building permits, which is great. Um, we hope that that, you know, resolves itself in the next couple of weeks and, you know, our, our goal is to get up and running sometime this year. Um, but yeah, the, the pandemic's hit us in a, in a few different ways. But, but then uh, I, I'm a, I would assume you start to get things up and running this year at some point, you're in the prime spot for when people are going to be hopefully all vaccinated, uh, knock on wood, fingers crossed. And uh, ready to get out there and, and experience things and that so that's seems like it's setting you guys up for for something really nice yeah fingers yeah, crossed. We, yeah we hope so it's <laughs> it's just hard to uh, uh, pay pay rent on the, on a space without using it <laughs> so right. so uh, you know that that hurts a little bit but uh yeah as Joe said we're, we're on the one yard line and we truly hope that we can get going on this and uh, it, it might be it might be pretty good timing for uh, when things start to come around again. And and what can people expect when they come to visit Brooklyn Gin? Uh, the wonderful smell of gin being made, <laughs> which 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 is always exciting for me because the first time people go walk into uh, to see a, a batch distilling of a product when you. You know they don't realize that it's not like industrial distilling when the same flavor comes out every second but you actually have you know all of a sudden you have lime and then you have floral notes and then you have you know some of the other the court like the there's just the the smell and the fragrance of, of the gin being made uh going back and forth between the different ingredients um but what we wanted to do we want to have a place when you can you know, see how the gin is made. Uh, you can, uh, but also we want to, you know, we're we, we're going to have a, a tasting room, but also a full uh, restaurant, the bar, so the, the distillery, and and the bar is actually two bars we're looking to have. They're 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 going to be uh, like world class cocktail bars. We're working with some some of the best of the best in the in the cocktail industry. Uh, to make this a really special bar because 
we want people to really see how the gin is made, see how the cocktail is made, and then enjoy it in an environment that we're setting up. So uh, we're, we'll, we'll have the ability to do uh, uh, events and small performances and other things as well. So we're, we're super excited about the space because we really feel it can showcase not only the gin, but the cocktails and the, you know, how we want them to be consumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it gives us a real opportunity to kind of uh, have consumers and you know some of our customers really get a feel for what we're all about and and see, and get the full experience. You know, we also want it to be a place for education. You know, we'd like to do cocktail classes, distilling classes. Um, you know, a place for experiences, as Emil touched on, like having you know music performances, maybe having local artists uh, with some installations. Um, so it's, it's going to be a, a much more than just a, a production, you know, place where you make gin. There's, it's going to be more of a full experience. Yeah. And to showcase the community, there's so much, you know, so many of our friends uh, around here are so talented in different ways that we can, you know, we can have some space to, to do that. As Joe said, uh, my favorite thing though, is we're getting a small, uh, uh, small still. Uh, like a 60 liter still and uh, from Carl as well uh, we we ran into one a couple of years ago uh, right after they started to make them and we saw this is the coolest thing ever because you can make a batch in like two hours instead of the five to six hours that it takes with larger still so you can actually really have some uh, you know we're going to use that more for like flavor of the week and uh, you know fun things but it also can be a, an educational tool because usually if you go to a gin distillery you can't see the whole process unless you stand there for six hours waiting for the this the, the still to be done but here you can actually two hours you maybe you can sit down and eat and have a cocktail or something else and then actually wait for the you know whatever you prepared going into the still you can wait for it to come out and, and try it which uh, would be a really exciting experience, um, I think, for people to be able to, you know, be part of the whole process of making a small batch of gin. Yeah, that, that all sounds um, really exciting and, and fun. I can't wait to visit. I, uh, just talking about the stills, I guess that reminded me, I'm assuming that you've got something that's almost exactly the same as what you've been using at Warwick. Yeah. Yeah, there are copper pot stills from Carl, which is exactly what uh, Warwick uses. Uh, ours will be on the bigger side. You know, they have a, a 250 and a 450, and our main still will be 2,000 liters, uh, plus the 60 liter still that Emil talked about. The fun still. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like fun. Um, and did you, did you guys mention that you had released an RTD? A canned cocktail. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah, that, and uh, now that was kind of part of the you know innovation that came out of the last. Yeah, and it's it's really simple. I mean, uh, we we have a few other things that we're working on as as well that might be a little more potent and stronger. Uh, <laughs> but the first one was was more of a a lighter flavor. We're, we're huge fans on the team during the summer of the gin Ricky, just because it's so simple, and and we do it. You know the the DC way or, or we, we, 
we, we try to avoid the, the, the sugar. I know that some people like a spoon of sugar, but we just do, you know, half a lime, gin, half a lime and top it off with soda. So we basically use that concept to do, uh, you know, Brooklyn gin and sodas with some type of juice in it. So it's four different flavors and it's just Brooklyn gin, real fruit juice and topped off with, uh, you know, with sparkling water. And we actually made the carbonation really nice and crisp. So it will to simulate more what you get in the co good cocktail bar. You know, one of the reasons you love the cocktails you get in the good cocktail bar when they're sparkling is because they're, they had, they're not flat, you know, they're, they, they have some stronger carbonation. So, um, you know, we, we, we think that it makes a real difference to if we compare to some of the other products there, when you might just use, uh, you know, you, you, you use some NGS, uh, put a little flavoring in it and carbonate it. And it's like one flavor and that's whatever you add to it. But ours actually starts with Brooklyn gin, which has 10 different ingredients in it, distilled, right? And then we add, so right now what we have, we have the, we have a lime and soda, Brooklyn gin lime and soda, Brooklyn gin hibiscus pear and soda. So lime and soda was just because of the Ricky. And then we have the hibiscus parent soda, which uh, it's basically based on one of our favorite uh, punch, punches that we made for, for events that we, we, all, we always loved. So we, we knew it was a great flavor combination. Then we did a, a cucumber lime and soda just because it's super refreshing. We tried a lot of different flavors, but it was just super refreshing and kind of speaks to what we want these drinks to be, like easy to drink, but with enough flavor, but refreshing and tasty. And then we have a lavender lemon soda. As we mentioned before, lavender is one of our uh, ingredients uh, in our floral component of our gin. And lemon is also in our gin, it pairs really well together. So that one is really fresh and floral. The cucumber lime soda is just crisp and fresh. Brooklyn lime soda is more like that clean, refreshing gin ricky. And the hibiscus pear is a little bit more like tangy and juicy and, and flavorful. So uh, it's, it's a fun line. We, we, we really like them. They're 5% alcohol, uh, come, come in a can. And um, yeah, we, we launched them this month. No, last month in February. And I got a really good response so far. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we think we'll continue to make them. Uh, and how many states are you all available in? Uh, for the gin yeah 30 to 35 states if i yeah. remember correctly and gotcha. but the brooklyn gin and sodas were only in three we, we started out with three states uh, for that testing that yeah so it's new york new jersey and, and florida for now okay cool um i i meant to ask who's zesting all the citrus <laughs> wow uh, there's right now, uh, uh, you know, there's a guy named Lou <laughs> up at Warwick who does all of our peeling. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's all manual. It's all done by hand. And, uh, you know, when you're working with the 250 and 450 liter stills, the batches are, are manageable by, you know, for one person to be able to do it. But, um, you know, when we get to 
our facility and, and the 2000 liter steel uh, still will probably have a small army of people peeling every day. <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it is though, and, and anyone who's come with us and we have a bunch of people that, that, are, you know, join us to, to prep a batch of gin, you know, using fresh peels, we can use a little less uh, citrus than, you know, compared to if you use dried or frozen peels, because the dried and frozen don't have so much flavor left in them, and the fresh peels is obviously very flavorful. Uh, so, we we can use a little bit less uh, citrus, but it's still quite a lot of peeling. So the the last question I have for each of you is, what does Brooklyn Gin look like ten years from now? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll be in every state. <laughs> we'll be the largest American craft gin. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll still have a distillery that's cranking out some great innovation in the gin category. Yeah, so, so 10 years from now, I, I, I think like the, the goal is like, we love our gin and we, we hope that a lot of other people will be, you know, like-minded people love it too. Uh, we, we feel like we've gotten to a point where we've gotten a lot of support and we want to continue that. So as Joe said, being the most loved, you know, craft gin in America would, would, would be amazing. Uh, and I think just having a distillery that is a place where people can go and you know, enjoy the gin, enjoy the process of making gin and, and having great cocktails. Uh, and also, yeah, I, I agree with Joe to have a, to have a few perhaps new, new products that we come up with uh, in, in our, in our new distillery. And uh, hope, hopefully just spread the world of gin to some more states and some more countries. And uh, uh, because we also want, I mean, when we're talking about sitting down with the fire department, uh, as we did before, we're, we're a pretty solid group. I mean, the folks in there, we, we got, we got Colin from Kings County. We got Tom Potter from New York distilling. We have Derek from, you know, Van Brunt distilling and, and uh, Lisa, Lisa from um, uh, Widow Jane and, you know, there, there is a lot of, you know, you, you got Steve from, from, from Green Hook Gin. Uh, I, I think we're a lot of like small, talented, you know, great distilleries uh, with, with great tasting products. So I think another thing we want to do is be part of putting Brooklyn uh, on the map. Uh, for for distilling in, in in general, like so, Brooklyn is a place that people will come and visit when when they want to see craft distilling or in, in, enjoy some craft cocktails. Uh, being part of that as well. That's our program for today. Thanks again to Emil Jatney and Joe Santos for joining us. You can learn more about the distillery and its progress at BrooklynGin.com and find them on Instagram. It's at Brooklyn Gin. And for an even deeper dive on that Brooklyn Gin bottle, tune in to ACSA's webinar on April 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern about innovation and bottle design, where Emil and Joe will be guests. All of our webinars are free to ACSA members, and you can learn more about them at americancraftspirits.org 
slash education slash webinars. And if you're still listening, I'm assuming that means you're enjoying this show. And if that's the case, could you do us a quick favor and please take a minute or two to leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts? We'd be incredibly grateful. We'll be back in a few weeks with Rhonda Coleman of Boston Harbor Distillery. Until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers.